Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of 1001 by 1, where normally each week we take a film out of the book, 1001 movies you must see before you die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book, but we're not quite doing that today. But first, just as a reminder, my name's Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And, uh, you know, it's been, what, about about six weeks or so since we've yeah. recorded? Yeah, yeah, we did, uh, we did our fun little Halloween uh, nostalgic look back at the Blair Witch Project, where we had a great guest. We had Chaz, who has since uh, had they've had their first child. So congratulations to them. They did little little Ethan. He was not born on Friday the Thirteenth. He was born on oh, the Friday after. Um, bummer. Yeah, I I mean you know I'm sure they'll take a, a, a healthy baby rather than the birthday. Yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, I was gonna say better better that mother and baby are, are both healthy. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so. Before we get to uh, our, our Christmas bonus episode, we thought it'd be nice to sort of dust off the cobwebs and uh, do a little uh, kind of a catch-up bonus episode, um, like a whole bunch of stuff to kind of cover um, that we, we thought would be fun and and just very relevant in terms of something that, as of we're recording this, literally came out yesterday. Um, so before we get to, to any of that, um, how you doing, Ian? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, we just—I literally just got back from a good little walk around Redmond. I'm feeling relaxed and refreshed. I got a little bit of caffeine going, so I'm I'm ready to to spar with you if necessary. Uh, I I will say that, I mean, I don't I don't have it as bad as I know a lot of other people do, and, and my my heart goes out to anybody who has been affected by the pandemic. I, I mean, I should say, well, I mean, we, obviously we all have been, uh, some of us more than others, but I, I am starting to believe and give a little bit of credence to the idea of pandemic fatigue. It is really starting to, to weigh heavy on me. Unfortunately, I've had a, a few people at, at my place of business uh, come down with it, so uh, hopefully a speedy recovery to them. I've managed to to dodge the bullet so far, and let's uh, fingers crossed that it stays that way. You know, we're trying to stay as uh, as healthy and as safe and as you know, sort of high spirited as we can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've been working from home since since March, um, so I I haven't really had any close COVID scares. It's been more. I, I definitely have that kind of COVID cabin fever going on. Um, I love my kids to pieces like like so much, but man, it's been rough. It, these last yep. few months have just been uh, kind. You know, and you know what? I'll be honest; they've been kind of a shit show. They've been we've had good yeah. days and bad days, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it it is what it is. You know, I, I think it's it's nice to have the Christmas trees up and to just sort of feel more festive and feel like thank God this this dumpster fire of a year is is almost over, uh, but. But yeah, I'm just trying to stay. There's so many good things I'm looking forward to in 2021 that I'm just trying to keep keep my eye on the prize, right? Yeah, no, we're we're almost there. But Melissa and the girls, everybody's Everybody healthy and, good and, and somewhat happy. Yeah, uh, Stella did just have her tonsils taken out uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, so that was that's like I would say like in terms of the Saint John household news, that is like that's the big thing that happened recently. But other than that. that- and she's doing okay. Yeah, it went well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it awesome. was really quick. I mean, if, you know, first few days she didn't feel great, but I mean, you know, she's eating 
mostly normal foods again now and stuff. So, we're, yeah, I think we're good. Good. And uh, you guys have been putting out uh, below freezing episodes with some regularity. I am I am current. Congratulations on hitting 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I was in charge of our October picks, which were mostly not good picks. They were no, mostly. That troll, that troll too. That God, that sounded like a goddamn shit show. Okay. But, but that was the best one. That was, that was so much fun to watch. Um, yeah. The second exorcist and the second Blair Witch are just bad. Um, yeah. But like, but then, yeah, but we just, we, uh, the last two that we did, uh, we did um, from Justin to Kelly, which was wow. Wow. That movie is so bad, uh, but it was it was it was fun to watch, um, and maybe something we we might talk about a little bit later in terms of disappointments of uh, of the break was Hillbilly Elegy was just a a big letdown. Oh man, I gotta tell you, I am I one hundred percent. I was I found myself nodding along with you in agreement as as I was listening to that episode. I was like, yep, those are all the things I hated about that movie too. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But um yeah, I think we're each and then I think we're each going to pick uh, a Christmas movie uh for December. Um which we haven't recorded yet. I don't know what they're going to be, but we, those will be coming too soon. So, yeah. Oh, they're good. I wanted to make sure we got a plug out there for for Below Freezing as well. Like I said, I'm current. I've done all 30 of well, them. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. Uh, we use diff- like uh, me and you. We use one um, podcast. We use Podomatic, and I use Anchor for the other one. And the way that you can look at numbers is a bit different. But our our I think on I think on Anchor they're called regular listeners. Our regular listener numbers have are have slowly been going up, which is great. So uh, oh, awesome! That's ex- that's great. It's exciting. Um, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're getting some traction. And and you know, we'll, we'll take care of a little business on Mike. I'm happy to move ours over to Anchor too, if that's something we want to address. Oh, it's no. I, in the I, new year, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think it's all a big right. deal at all. Um, okay. So then, uh, other things that I I uh, uh, I think I think I brought this to your attention, but I wanted to get your immediate thoughts on. Um, the Warner Brother decision that just came out earlier this week. For anybody who's listening who doesn't know, um, Warner Brothers uh, has decided that they're basically their entire 2021 slate of films that were going to be coming out in theaters are all going to be coming to HBO Max. Now, as far as I understand this, what that means is that um, in the limited theaters that are still open, these films will come out in those theaters as well. But same day, they will be released on HBO Max, and they will stay on HBO Max for a month before they are removed. Um, so I wanted well, my, to know about your, your hope immediate is that thoughts they won't, to that. My hope is that they won't take the Disney Plus route and charge you an additional 20 30 bucks. you know, because you're already paying 15 Is it 15 a month for HBO Max? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't necessarily like that business model, especially if something like Mulan, I think, just dropped on Disney Plus, you know, as part of the yeah, service. Yesterday. So yeah. Yeah, so if you if you paid the thirty bucks for it, I'm sorry you're kind of a fucking sucker. I don't mean to insult anybody that paid for it, but yeah. come on, you could have waited till December for that now from, seemingly from from most reports that I've read about it, it's a dumpster fire. From what I've read that's not going to be the case with HBO Max. The, these are coming straight to the service at no extra charge. If you have HBO yeah. Max, you get to view the movies. And I and I realize that that means that Dune is going to be one of those. Yes. And uh, wow, man, I uh, I I would have really liked to have seen Dune in theaters 
and and who knows maybe I still will. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. You're get, it's going to be hard pressed to get people I think to leave the comfort of their home when they can just get it on a service that they're already paying for or you know, hey, we'll take a chance on HBO because I want to see Dune or I want to yeah. see Wonder Woman or whatever else. Yeah. But it's uh, it's definitely a it's it's nowhere near I think the final nail in the coffin for the cinematic experience, but I think it definitely is a, a telling. It's a huge you can't you can't understate just how huge of a nail in the coffin it is. Yeah. I so I, I the two things that I was I was thinking of um when I heard the news was the the one thing was I, I remember being in grad school and um and maybe this is still a thing, I don't know, but I, I we were in Indiana and there was an AMC and every I'm not sure it was every day of the week, but what what Melissa and I would do is every Sunday we would go catch the first viewing of whatever movie we were seeing, especially like, you know, September through December when it's all the big Oscar movies. And I want to try to catch up. Um, if you saw the first showing, it was five bucks. And so we'd go watch these movies and it became like a thing. And I really loved, I mean, I, I always like going to the theater, but I really became a ritual, became something that we did. But in the past six and a half years, since I've had kids, the amount of films I've seen in the theater has gone down. I mean, 85 90% like it's just it's extremely difficult to go see movies in the theater so part of me is excited I won't lie part of me is is jazzed at the possibility of not having to worry about how am I gonna finagle this with a sitter and with life to go see Dune or or or, you know one of these movies I'm excited about seeing when it's just like oh I could just wait until the kids fall asleep and then we can we can watch it so so part of me is 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 that now that's also a selfish thing to say. I, I, I know this, that the, the thousands of people who, who depend on uh, working a job at, at a movie theater, whatever that is, that that sucks. And, and it, I, I realize that my selfishness, in a way, is, is neglecting those people. And, and so I don't say anything. I, I don't say that gleefully. I mean, it is going to make it easier for me to see movies that I really like, but I understand that there are people affected by that. The other thing, though... And I'm I'm kind of stealing this from something I saw um, on Facebook earlier. Is this idea of really eventizing going to the movie theaters, even if it means paying a bit more to like, you know, get a, a big comfy seat or like, I, and I I haven't been to some of the ones where you can like recline all the way. And I know that some theaters already do this, but you know, I feel like maybe going to see movies in a theater will become kind of like us dorks and like our like and boutique blu-rays and spending the money on a, on a quality disc with a bunch of supplemental features but maybe it just means that and i think you know what i'm talking about here maybe it just means that less douchebags will be going to the theater and that it'll really just be people who are really excited about seeing the movies versus oh it's a friday night i gotta find something to do yeah no you're you the the hope is yes you would weed out those less dedicated who use it as just something to kill time rather than something that they actually want to do i mean i've vented numerous times on this show about bad <laughs> cinematic experiences that i've had and oh who knows maybe that'll be a thing of the past i i am really glad you you brought up the employment angle though because that is that is something that i feel is getting lost in the conversation um now, something that definitely does weigh heavy on my mind. I know that I, I used our Twitter feed to call out uh, the Cinerama here in Seattle when they laid off yeah. all of their employees without warning, and I, I, I think that's, 
we need to find a way to adapt these people's jobs uh, and, and try and keep as much of that workforce employed as possible. I, obviously, I don't know what the solution is, but I hope that there's someone out there working on that. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so too. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just thought like that was so big news I heard the other day. I, I wanted to wanted to have a little, little conversation with you about that on, on the show. Um, so, uh, before I get, so before I get to, uh, maybe the first big thing I wanted to mention on the episode, um, was that, uh, in our, I don't know what, what I'd call this during our off season, um, it was great to sort of, uh, converse with some of you listeners. And, uh, one thing that I, I had read, um, and I, and I'm going to start making sure that we do this for the episodes is, is timestamping. I've never timestamped before. Uh, during our in our our episode descriptions when you when you download or listen to our show on wherever you do, um, but I will get I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna start being better about timestamping things um, and 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 so that so they kind of know where you can find certain parts of the episode. Now, this will be so I I, I want to get again I want to get your your vibe on this uh, during the episode. Spoiling movies. Um. Now. If it's a recommendation and it's not the main film that we're talking about, I think we've been pretty good about not spoiling like like recent movies. Like 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 not to jump the gun here, but we're going to be talking about Mank in a little bit. I have no I have no intentions of spoiling I don't know. It, it, it seems like a weird movie to spoil, but I, I have no intentions of spoiling that for anybody. Um but like if it's if it's a movie that's in the book and especially a movie that's been out for a while, I don't care if we talk about what happens in it. Cause that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, no, we do deep dive in depth analysis. So in order to do that, you're going to have to talk about the whole movie. And so if, if anybody feels like we've shat on something that they genuinely wanted to see and we spoiled it for them, I, I do apologize. But in the case of something like, I don't know, the Maltese Falcon, it's been out for 80 fucking years. Yeah. My, my, my thought is that, and, and cause this is the way that I treat uh, like, cause I, we do a film podcast and I listen to, to film podcasts. And if, if a show that I like is doing an episode on a movie that I haven't seen, I don't listen to that episode. Cause I don't, I don't want them to ruin it for me. Right. And what that does is it, it, that movie gets bumped higher to my, like, oh, I want to watch this soon, thus giving me a reason to listen to this episode. So, if again, if we've if we've spoiled something, I'm sorry, but we are doing deep dives on these movies. I don't, and that's and that's totally fair. But I I will say that I'm I'm happy to concede and meet people halfway. And if we know that we're about to get to talking about the end of a film, yeah, I mean, we can we can certainly try to be cognizant of stopping going hey we're about to talk about the ending so yeah pause here and come back or skip to blah 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 timestamp. yeah yeah uh but i just wanted to i don't know again it's fun it's fun to kind of do like our our like business chats on the show and just kind of yeah, like yeah. air out things okay um so cool so i i guess one more piece of business before we get into uh some real film chat um and this was something that uh, we we talked about uh, a couple months ago, um, right around our, our 100th episode. And I think now, kind of it being around the Christmas season, I, this seemed like a good idea to kind of bring it up now. Um, so we have a Patreon, and we've had it for about a year, I think. Sounds about right. And um, I think 
and I, hopefully you'll agree with me here on this one. I think when we created our Patreon, we had some, some lofty hopes of, sure of not in terms of the number of people who were patrons, but in terms of like some of the, the pricing on it. And especially, especially because of the times that we live in, uh, I was looking at it uh, and I, I pointed out to Ian, I'm like, some of these are just f- crazy. I don't, I don't know if we'll get people to, um, to be patrons at these prices. So what I want to do now is just sort of list some changes that we're going to have and, um, and what that means. So, uh, these are all per month. So a dollar a month is just still like, uh, just, uh, our eternal praise and we'll be there forever thankful for you. Um, what used to be $3 a month and will now be $2 a month will be an on-air shout-out. Um, so if you become a patron at $2 a month, we will shout you out and praise you, but more explicitly, on-air, so that everybody can bask in your glory. What used to be $5 a month is now going to be $3 a month, and that means you get early access to our episodes and you can recommend a recommend to us. Um, and you've heard, we've done some of those before, our episodes uh, that included the Senna and uh, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans, those were recommended to us. So anybody at that tier, uh, at the $5 tier, is now $3. So anybody who is currently on the $5 tier, uh, tier um, you get to actually now get more involved because that means that you get to pick a show, uh, a movie that we do. So you get to pick five movies in the book, and then we'll pick one of them, and then that'll actually be... Uh, a film that we cover. That is now the new $5 tier. The new $10 tier is the same thing, but you get to pick, It's you pick three films and we pick one. So you get to really narrow down what, like if there was a really specific movie that you wanted us to cover, that is now the $10 tier. Uh, what used to be $50, which is just crazy, um, is now $20. And this is uh, meet with us and discuss the show. And we now the, the idea of this initially was like, hey, let's grab a beer somewhere and talk about movies. Well, we can't do that now, but we can certainly meet virtually and do that. Um, and our 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 biggest tier, which was a hundred bucks, uh, is lo- is lopped in half to fifty. And that is, if you want to be a guest on the show, that's the fifty dollar tier. And oh, by the way, the the higher those go, everything below it is true. So if you do the guest thing, then you also get to pick an episode and a recommend and all the other things that go there. Um, but really, all of this is to say that Ian and I we have jobs. We live lives. This is not our means of employment is doing this podcast. Um, and what the, what the patrons basically pay for, uh, are is to keep the podcast going. It's basically that money goes right back into the podcast. It pays for our, um, launching the podcast when we need to, there's a yearly uh, subscription that we pay, um, in the off chance that we need new equipment or whatever, all the money goes back into the show. So, just know that if you support the show through Patreon, that that is literally where it's going. It's going back into the show. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that all sounds great. And we know that these are trying times and not everybody can, can throw money at something, you know, that they just happen to listen to exactly. once a week yeah. or, or whenever you listen to us. But, you know, if you can... We appreciate it. Yeah. And if and you can't, well, keep on, keep on listening anyway. Yeah. And again, and it's, if you can spare the few bucks a month, um, you know, we, and that's why I wanted to lower the cost. I mean, you know, now for like a coffee drink a month, you can potentially help pick an episode that we cover. So I wanted to, you know, we, I say I, we wanted to make it more accessible to people to, to get involved with the show. So, so 
Let's bring it back to movies. Um, I want to say maybe it was about a year ago now. We did we did we did a kind of a bonus episode uh, where we talked about the changes in the book, the the most recent version of the book uh, that has um, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga uh, from A Star Is Born on the cover. Um, well, they've already announced in the summer of 2021 uh, there is going to be a new book with what I believe is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Brad Pitt on the cover. So, um, but this time Ian knows this isn't going to surprise him. There's no surprises here for Ian um, uh, on what the changes are going to be. So um, let's just do some some quick hits, just some quick quick thoughts about uh, the additions and removals of the book. So, Ian, um, the first two I'm going to say here are additions, and they're not they're additions and they're kind of not additions. Um, Endgame is being combined with Infinity War and Toy Story Four. Uh, 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 maybe we talk about that soon. Yep. Uh, is now being combined with the rest of the trilogy. Um, thoughts on thoughts on those? I, it's kind of a cop out. Same yep. way that I felt about it the other time around. Really, let's let's call a spade a spade. Toy Story lumping that into a trilogy is because obviously everybody loves one and three. I know that there are you know some hardcore fans that love two, but really. Really, they did it as a trilogy just so they could get one and three in, and I feel like to them it would have looked weird if they didn't have two. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's it's the same thing that I feel about. Look, if you're gonna do that for Lord of the Rings, if you're gonna do that for Toy Story, why haven't you done it for Star Wars? Because Empire, Jedi, and and New Hope are all still in there as individual entries. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then you know how I feel about the Avengers thing. Like, just fuck off with that. <laughs> I, I it's know. it's selling out hard. You're you're doing it to sell books, and I get it. You know, you got you got mouths to feed. I get it, but it's kind of compromising the integrity of the book. I mean, it, yeah. Plus, I, those movies made a billion dollars each, so to say that you must see them before you die is kind of a fucking misnomer. Because I feel like anybody at this point either saw them in theaters or they've seen them at home on Disney Plus or bought the Blu-ray or whatever. Anybody yeah. that wanted to see those movies has seen it. I mean, I, I don't disagree with your logic, although I do, I do like the movies. I do. I, I mean, to what degree I like them is, is definitely up for debate, but I, I mostly enjoy the movies. Um, but yeah, I think it's a cop out on, on in, in the, the book, the sake of the book. I think it's a cop out. Um, yeah. so here are other additions to the book. Um, portrait of a lady on fire. Which I know is on both Criterion Channel and Hulu. I have still not seen that. I tried to get that in before we recorded today. Couldn't make it happen, but I it is still very high on my radar. I've I've heard only good things. Yeah. So yeah, I want to see it. Um a foreign film called Forsama, which I have not seen. Documentary that looks really interesting, really yeah. heartfelt and passionate. So I'm I'm excited for that one too. Yeah. Um Book Smart is in the book. I, that's kind of like, uh, kind of like throwing mother in on the last edition. It's kind of like one of those like out of left field decisions that I, I actually kind of respect. I did, and I did really enjoy, um, book smart a lot to me. It felt like a more, a more mature sort of female oriented answer to super bad. Y- yeah. I mean, and, I- and, and just as funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, it seems it's, oh God, that's, I, it's a bit of a stretch for me to kind of see it in the, the book. I, I don't know how I, I don't know. It, it's a, I, I would call it a somewhat bold decision. Yeah. That I, I have more respect for than I do 
like support. I'm like, yeah, it must say before you die. I don't know, but you know, good for you for for calling out something that may as may otherwise be maligned. Yeah, that's fair. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, that makes sense. It's a great Tarantino film. I, in a in a long line of great Tarantino I, I, films. I'm down. I'm I'm for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's top five Tarantino for me. I, I think I think it is for me too. Um, the farewell, which I haven't seen again. Heard good things about. I did watch that this week, and I I will say, uh, spectacularly looking film. Like the cinematography is a knockout, and the performances all great. Uh, for a movie that's an hour and forty minutes, the pacing is a little troublesome. I found myself checking my watch more times than than I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, it seems the subject matter it, it, to me it implies that you're in for not not in a bad way, but kind of you're in for a slog. You're in for like it's a family drama. You're in for some some slow moments. Right, and I, I, I have some thoughts about how, like, structurally, how the film works, and and you know, close calls that happen in the film. But I don't want to be, again, I don't want to be spoilery, so sure. so I won't. Gotcha. Um, potentially divisive selection. Joker is now in the book. Yeah, that can fuck right off. There you go. I still, I still like it, but I don't know. I don't. I really don't think it should be in the book. No, um, absolutely not. Uh. An obvious choice on my part, uh, Parasite is in the book. Thrilled about that. Yep, that makes sense. Good movie. It's growing on me for sure in the way that Joker is not. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, a movie called Monos? I know nothing about this movie. Again, that's uh, that's on Hulu okay. uh, at the time of this recording. And again, I'm very interested. It's got a kind of, it seems like it has a very sort of Lord of the Flies uh, vibe to it. Yeah. Um, and again, I've heard the cinematography in it is spectacular. Now, I'm actually, I'm checking, I'm double checking right now. Um, so, um, Little Women is going to be in the book, uh, the new Greta Gerwig adaptation. Oh, yeah. And her, and Lady Bird is in there, too. So, that's cool. Greta Gerwig is now in the book twice. Uh, I don't think both need to be in there. What would you pick? I'm honest. Lady Bird. Me, too. Okay, cool. Good. Um... How do you feel about the lighthouse being in the book? See that you know when I said that uh, Booksmart was kind of like the mother of this edition. This the lighthouse, I think, is actually closer in I, in really that comparison. Is. It it, it yeah. om- it's almost like they took out mother so they could put in the lighthouse. <laughs> I that feels like a hundred percent correct, um, and I am over the fucking moon. Hopefully, it gets more people to see that movie because the lighthouse is genuinely brilliant in. Uh, just coming out of left field way performances that are just no holds barred on the edge of sheer insanity. Yeah, it's... I love it. I've seen I've seen the lighthouse like five times now. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then a, a movie that I I really don't know much about, but it's an older film. It's a um, 1994 film is being added to the book called L'America. Um. I searched for this. It's not streaming anywhere. Which doesn't, in a way, that doesn't surprise me. Like, I used both, uh, what is it, Decider and Just Watch. I used both of those. Uh, there's a third website I'm blanking on the name of now, but I checked all three, and none of them had, they all had listings for it, but nowhere is streaming it. So, I don't know, maybe maybe it going into the book might get it a little bit more exposure. Hopefully. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and those are all the additions. Now, in terms of the removals, um, uh, so in terms of a, an older movie, um, so that was 1994, The Blue Kite, which is also, I think, from like 93, uh, was removed. I don't know. I don't know much about that one either. Um, Vice is out of the book. Thank God. It didn't make a whole lot of sense going in. I, I didn't like it. We already mentioned Mother. Mother is now out of the book. Um, so... The lighthouse, I'm, like we just said, is a fair trade. Yeah, I'm, and uh, and I, I think that's, I, I think it's a better trade. I think that's, I think it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aronofsky still has some representation in the book, I believe. Is Requiem in there? Yes. Yeah, Requiem hasn't yeah. come out. Yeah. Um. So the Greatest Showman was taken out, which I never saw, thank, but oh, thank fuck, that movie is undeniably awful. Yeah. Um. Uh. Also, Crazy Witch. Crazy Rich Asians is out of the book, which I never, I still haven't seen. Oh, neither have I. I'd, I'd like to. I think, uh, ooh, who did I see? I think HBO might still have that. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, A Star is Born is out of the book, which I, I think is a bummer. I think it has some really great performances in it. It's tough. I'm surprised they haven't done some horseshit thing with that where all of A Star is Born is just listed as one. Like every iteration is just in the book as one selection. Oh, that would be, again, like Toy Story and Lord of the Rings, that would be such a cop-out. I know. If you just dropped, like, all four versions. Yeah, that would be dumb. I just, I, that was more of a joke. Um, The Shape of Water is out of the book, thank God, because that movie blows. I I still have, I still have a marginal amount of respect for it. I still dig the performances in it. I like the, I like the, the grown-up R-rated fairy tale thing. I, that's I, that's what I respect. But Pan's Labyrinth, yeah, is that yeah? That, that's that's the one. Yes, that's if you're gonna watch one Del Toro before you die, that's the one. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, a movie that I I again I don't know. I think it's and I might mispronounce this, so pardon me. I think it's called Wajja, uh, W A D J D A, um, which I never saw. I, I I only ever I only knew of it from the book, but that's it's now out of the book. Um. An episode, one of my favorite episodes. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I know, what a bummer. It seems like that movie has been coming under fire lately in certain online circles. Um, Which, sure, everybody's welcome to your opinion. You're also welcome to be wrong. (laughs) I like that. Um, So anyway, so now this three billboards now goes into the ranks with... um, Victoria and I, Daniel Blake, as episodes uh, that are no longer represented in the book. So it's a very special place. Um, but all three great episodes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, re- oh, I'm really sure. happy with all three of those, especially Victoria. What a find. Yeah. That one still haunts me. I God, I really, I want, I want Criterion or some boutique label to get their hands on it, like, real bad. Yeah. Um, so I saved these last two on purpose. Um. So Gangs of New York is no longer in the book. Now, what's funny about that is I didn't even think about this when I sent you this list the other day, but I, you know, I had some free time. So I said, you know what, I'm going to attempt to rank all of the Scorsese that I've seen. And I've seen, I think he's done 25 feature films or 26, and I've seen about 21 of them. So I I sat down and I sent you my top 15. Uh, Gangs of New York is actually in both of our top 10 Scorsese. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't want to. I know The Departed is in the book, so I'm going to say very little about that movie. Or I think it is, isn't it? 
I think it was. I'm okay, not sure that it still anymore. is. That's fine. But I, I, um, I, we, we watched The Departed, I'd say maybe six or seven months ago. And while I still really enjoy that movie, it makes almost no sense. Like it, plot wise, it's really thin. Like it's, it's the performances and the direction that save that movie. It's plot is kind of bananas. And and now that we're several years after the fact, can we finally admit it's it's not a great Nicholson performance it, in the pantheon of Nicholson performances. No, it's it is like Nicholson straight didn't give a fuck on the set yeah. of that movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean the 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 best the two best actors in that film are, are Damon and Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, Wahlberg is, is great. I mean, it's for me, it's all the supporting people. Like, I, I, I think that's a really underrated Martin Sheen performance. I think he is oh, absolutely. phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's that was that would be, if we were to do an episode on it, he would be the thankless role yeah, for me. Yeah, but God, really, yeah, he, he's great in that. Um, but yeah, but Gangs of New York, again, so we, we must have watched that maybe about three or four months ago, and... As much as I still do not like the ending, and nobody is going to convince me otherwise, I really did enjoy it more this time around. And I don't, I, The Departed just is so much more, it's more rewatchable to me. It's more, it can suck me in more. But Gangs of New York is not, I, I, I like it more than I, I definitely, than I used to. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's a movie that is, growing on me you know it's i'm growing i feel like i'm growing with it or vice versa or something like that like i'm really i'm really starting to look past some of its faults and appreciate it for the massive undertaking yeah and and long gestating passion project that it was now is good opportunity to call out our good friend mike over at cinemas i know he hasn't done an episode in a while but the last one that he did was gangs of new york which he had been sitting on for a little while and it's a it's a great episode anybody who hasn't heard it strongly recommend uh you take a listen to uh, his thoughts on it. He brought up a good point, which is, you know, DiCaprio and Diaz, they kind of get bashed on a little bit and lost in the noise of the other great supporting actors in that film. But I think uh, he, he brought up a good point when he said he, he thinks they did the best with what they were given. Yeah, I, I well, I, I always thought Leo was was good in that movie. And and Cameron Diaz, I I don't know what I thought initially because I I mean I saw it in theaters when it came out, but at that point I was 16 years old, and who the fuck knows really what I thought about anything back then. But I don't think I don't think it's a bad performance. Um, I think it's I think it's fine. I and I think I think she does well acting off of. I mean, when the scenes are pivotal around her, I don't think I don't think she's doing like phenomenal work, but she's she's a great reactor in the movie there's a there's a lot of and i that sounds really like like that's like me there's the acting teacher coming out of me but like her reacting in the movie is is great it's really good yeah absolutely um it's certainly better than the work she did on uh uh on a, a guilty pleasure of mine which is ridley scott's the counselor which she is definitely out of her depth in that film i i have not like, seen she is, it but i she is supposed to be kind of unsettling and threatening which she cannot do um, but the so the last removal is interesting, and it, it sparked kind of a, a little conversation back and forth that you and I had. So the last movie that well, is no well, longer it it is horseshit. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> the last book, the last movie taken out of the book, uh, is American Beauty, um, which now means 
that Sam Mendes is no longer in the book. And I thought maybe they would have done some kind of like, okay, well, we'll take it out. But 1917 was a huge hit last year and, and a visual and like a, uh, an achievement in its own right. At the greatest war movie since, I mean, let's just go the cliched route. It is the greatest war movie since Saving Private Ryan, and I will hear, I will, I will not hear otherwise. That's 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 fine. I'm gonna um, stick my head in the sand. I'm gonna put my fingers in my ears. Go la 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 la. You're all wrong. So so um, uh, and maybe this is maybe this is you know giving out too much. I know I like to be mysterious with what we're gonna do, but but it did it. We did decide that we are. We were there was one director we were gonna do a definitive ranking of. We've switched it. We're gonna give Sam Mendes his day in court on this show, and we are at some point next year, 2021, we are going to do a definitive Sam Mendes ranking because as we discussed, his he's batting a thousand. Even if you like, even if you're not the biggest fan of Spectre, it's not a bad movie. Like Yeah, and and again, like people are allowed to be wrong. Spectre is a great Bond film in like the tradition of classic Bond movie. Where I stand on Spectre is, is, and I don't advocate this, but if you were to digitally take out Daniel Craig and drop Sean Connery in, <laughs> it would feel there would it, it wouldn't feel wrong to me. You know what I mean? It's got all the classic traits of those early Connery films, but just on the scale of which we could make films. I, I feel like if they could have made this film in the sixties, they would have. Sure. Like this is that Spectre is always the direction that they've kind of been heading in. It's it's a great Bond movie. I mean, yeah, it's no Skyfall, but uh, almost none of them are. That's that's true. Very true. It, it has a very it has a very unenviable task of following maybe the second or third best Bond movie ever made. Oh, well, and and I and I I do not have a Bond knowledge that goes deep, but I mean, Skyfall isn't just a good Bond movie. It's a it's a good movie. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you. Mendez is batting a thousand. Yeah. So, 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 um, there you go. Those are, those are the, ch- those are the, what will be the upcoming changes in the book? Um, that well, will be before we out. move away, one last thought on American beauty. Do you feel like it's the Kevin Spacey angle? Is that why it came out in your mind? You know, I, I feel like American beauty like maybe not right after it came out, but, but soon after became the like, Oh, that wasn't the right pick. Like that, like it became this sort of no, no. And I, th- I basically, I, I think until crash one, it was sort of regarded as like a, what a terrible pick that, that like that shouldn't have won too. It's too pretentious. It's too whatever. And it, I mean, sure. Maybe the, 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 the bag floating in the wind isn't your cup of tea, but I don't know, man. That that movie, for me, is really evocative. I think everybody is great in it. I love. I mean, talk about Conrad Hall's fucking cinematography, the score. I I mean, I I'm not the biggest fan of Alan Ball as as a writer. I I mean, I think Six Feet Under. I mean, if for me, Six Feet Under as a show is 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 too much. And thank God, American Beauty was just a film, um, because I think Six Feet Under works and then it doesn't. But but I, I don't know, man. American Beauty, I've always loved it. It's still my favorite Annette Benning performance. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I it's I, it's, a, it's a bummer. It's a it's a Yeah, no, provocative is exactly the right word to use. And there are things about it that I don't love. I don't love the narration. 
I don't love that whole Sunset Boulevard angle where he's, you know, talking from beyond the grave, but I, you know, it is what it is. It's not, it doesn't ruin the experience for me. I just, you know, I don't love that aspect of it. Yeah, it does kind of, you know, it does, it does tip away what's going to happen in the end, but I'm also okay with it. Oh, and talk about Chris Cooper. I mean, it may not be his best performance, but he fucking nails it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I just think maybe, you know, I, I, it doesn't bother me, but I, the last thing I'll say is I, I, I think that it has a lot of what could be seen as kind of caricature caricature people in it. You know, the, the closeted gay neighbor and the promiscuous teen and the goth teen. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't, I think he, th- that it's painted with, with finer detail than just broad strokes, but I could see how people would want to just say, oh, look, that's the, neglected housewife or that's this it, you know it, it it'd be easy to just dismiss these characters and absolutely it's not it's not a one and done yeah. you could very easily dismiss it on just a single you know surface viewing yeah yeah um cool so um well we we love lists here <laughs> on a thousand one by one and so what uh, we are now going to give you um the, the 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 our top five films that we've seen uh since we've recorded last um mine are not ranked mine are just five movies that i've seen that i uh i wanted to i want to shout out a little bit i i did rank mine ah well then what what's your number five good sir uh my number five is uh well i'll, I'll preface by saying sorry there'll be a little bit of long preamble here just because um look while we were away uh the the cinema going public the world we lost uh we lost an icon sean connery died 90 years old which was a hell of a run yeah 90 years that's pretty goddamn good he died on uh, i believe it was halloween or the day before halloween yeah it was around um, that yeah and it's you know i don't i didn't know the man but and celebrity deaths don't really hit me you know cuz again i didn't know i didn't know bowie but i understand the the sentiment behind how people were hit so hard by that death and and you know i i'm not going to lie i got a little choked up when i woke up that sunday morning and and read that or saturday morning whenever it was and i have to i have to reckon with the fact that i don't agree with everything he said he said some pretty uh, unfortunate things in yeah. certain interviews over the years but i do respect that he was for a free and independent scotland uh, refused to return to Scotland until they had broken away from the United Kingdom, because uh, I believe that Scotland should be free to uh, cut their rigging away from a sinking ship. Uh, and you know, I have to, I, I reckon with the fact that he was so much a part of my growing up, and I have so many fond memories around the first time that I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, or that great cameo in Time Bandits, or the first time I ever saw. Uh, my first Connery Bond film uh, from end to end, because obviously you catch bits and pieces of them on on TBS on the 14 days of 007 that they used to do and stuff like that. But you know, the the, the first time I ever saw from Russia with Love will will stay with me. Um, so sorry, a little bit of preamble there, but I my number five is I wanted to I wanted to fill in a couple of my Sean Connery gaps and uh, stumbled upon his last collaboration with Sidney Lumet because they had done a few films together, including what I think is his best performance in The Offense. But uh, my number five is Family Business from 1989. 
uh, also starring Matthew Broderick and uh, Dustin Hoffman. They play three generations of thieves. Um, the youngest, um, Matthew Broderick, he's kind of like a shining star. You know, he's going to be the one that sort of breaks the mold. He's an Ivy League kid. He's got a lot of prospects. And then somebody comes to him with this, hey, you've got an in at this pharmaceutical firm and you can get a hold of this experimental plasma. And, you know, we know that your family has uh, criminal connections. And so he goes to his grandfather, played by Sean Connery, who is a career criminal, a bit of a scoundrel and a rogue. You know, the thing that Connery did best. Yeah. Um, and they try and rope uh, his dad, played by Dustin Hoffman, who has gone straight. He now works in uh, as a foreman in like a meatpacking plant. Um, you know, when you when you consider those three names, you would think that Broderick would be out of his depth with those two, but he he holds his own spectacularly, and you really you really feel a family dynamic between them. Now, I'm not going to say the movie is great. I kind of was swept up on a wave of nostalgia and like I said a little bit choked up about the fact that that Connery had died uh and so a lot of people probably wouldn't look on it as favorably as I did it is very much uh an 80s film in its aesthetic but I mean it still is it's still Sidney Lumet and uh, you know I I'm sure he did make bad movies but I've never seen a bad Sidney Lumet movie I can't say that my Lumet uh filmography runs deep but from what I've seen, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Oh yeah, it, he's great. Um, uh, two things I, I just want to respond because I have not, I haven't seen that movie. Um, I'm not surprised that that Broderick uh, held his own. I mean, you got to remember he started on the stage pretty young, and I and at this and that would have been like in the early '80s. So after eight years of being in movies and and kind of setting his own, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, I that doesn't surprise me. Now and and don't get me wrong, I'm not shitting on Matthew Broderick. No, no, no. I but mean, I mean, in terms seen, of the I've caliber. Of actors. I mean, you're was... talking, you're talking to a guy who one of his major guilty pleasures is the Cable Guy. Wow. Well, there you go. There yeah. you have it. So, so there we go. That's there's no uh, there's no questioning my credentials when it comes to enjoying Matthew Broderick movies. I'm just saying he is not. I wouldn't put him in the same breath sure. as as Connery or yeah, yeah. the great Dustin Hoffman. And Hoffman just does what he does best. You know, he just chews up scenery in this movie. I mean, like like most performances, he's really, he's really swinging for it. I mean, you believe that he is this guy. He is, you know, a, a tremendous method actor. So there you go. That's number five. That's family business, which I will say I don't think is on uh, included with any streaming services. I did just rent that one on Prime for the three or four bucks. Nice. Um, okay. So uh, you know what, now that I'm looking, I, I'm looking at my, and I'm, I can rank these pretty easily. So I'll just, so, so my number five, um, uh, before our shutter subscription, uh, came and went, we tried to watch as much as we could. We watched a lot of stuff that was pretty good kind of up until the end and the endings didn't quite pan out. Um, some, a few of those just titles that, so you can have them out there that are, are mostly good, but you know, are okay. Uh, hell house LLC is pretty good. The beach house, and um, Blood Quantum, uh, which is really interesting. It's all about like being uh, like indigenous people and and uh, kind of like a like a zombie type thing. It's that's that's a really interesting movie. But um, there was this uh, um, uh, what is it called? Um, oh God, I can't think of the word. What would you call Creep Show? Creep Show is a um, 
Anthology. Yes, yes. So we watched an anthology film called Southbound, uh, which has five uh, kind of interlocking stories, and each one's kind of directed by – it's got a different director, different writer. Um, and it's it's really – like it's really this trippy, weird movie, and not all of the segments are great. Um, but it starts off, and like there's these two guys, and they're covered in blood, and they're trying to leave this town, in, I think in Texas. And um, they keep they go to this gas station to fill up, and they they keep like they can't escape the gas station. They keep ending up back at the gas station, and that leads to this story with these girls who are traveling in a van, and it breaks down, and they get taken in by this family, but the family's got some hidden demons, and then it goes to a story of a guy who hits who hits a girl, and calls nine one one, and and believes he's trying to save her. And then that one doesn't, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, Melissa wasn't as big a fan of it as I was, but I think when the movie really hits, it fucking hits really well. It's the kind of weird that I like. Um, especially the guy, the guy who does like the hit, he hits the girl and like puts her in his car and he's trying to talk to 911 about how he's going to save her and get her to a hospital. That one is, uh, it reminded me of like an episode of Black Mirror. I mean, much much shorter, but I I I dug it. Um, and it's pretty. You know, it's only like eighty five minutes. It's pretty short. It's a good. It's a quick breeze. But I was in it. And again, I'm not the biggest horror fan. Um, but while we had Shutter and we had our free our free subscription for it, um, I'd say it was probably the most enjoyable of the movies that I watched on it. And also just a a chance to shout out Shutter, especially if you. If you're an above average horror fan, I would I would recommend it as a service. Yeah, when I when I did our 30 day trial, man, there was you definitely get your money's worth considering that they are one of the cheapest of the streaming options out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, like I said, this this movie has like I, the cast is full of people that I don't know, I don't recognize anybody, I don't recognize the directors or the writers, but it's one it, it's one that I would watch. I mean, I I recommend it in terms of like. You, you want a weird, like, it's scary at times and just kind of fucked up at times. Like, this is this is a movie that I would recommend for sure. Awesome. All right, man, what is your four? So keeping keeping in a sort of somewhat horror uh, vein, actually, my, my four and three are both uh, horror films. Nice. Um, if you remember a while back, I uh, found a film that I recommended to you. We both really enjoyed a lot called Thunder Road. Yeah. Oh, uh, directed I... by, you know what? I'm, yep. Yep. Here we go. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Now, I just because of how much I enjoyed Thunder Road, I just blind bought Wolf of Snow Hollow. I bought it for like 10 bucks on one of the video on demand services. And I have to say, I think I definitely got my $10 worth. Nice. Uh, so this is small, sleepy Utah mountain town. Uh, they're experiencing on full moons these terrible, violent, gory uh, animal attacks. And, you know, the, the people start talk of, of werewolves. And uh, Jim Cummings, he directed it, wrote it, he's in it as well. He plays, here's, here's my only problem with it, is you know his character in Thunder Road? He's essentially just doing that again. That's what I heard. It's, it's, it's an on-the-edge alcoholic cop who's struggling to raise his daughter this time it's a teenage daughter rather than the daughter in thunder road was probably what like six seven yeah maybe a little older uh so he is he is retreading the same territory from a character standpoint he is definitely he's definitely a little more on the edge 
uh, in this, but he he is trying to keep the town sane and to to squash these this crazy talk of werewolves. You know, he's the one trying to keep a level head, yeah. Despite his own uh, his own emotional demons and, and exterior struggles, uh, the the big highlight is that his dad is played by Robert Forster, yes, who is the sheriff who is who is dying, going a little senile. Uh, final film performance of Robert Forster, and what a hell of a movie to go out on. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of going back to his grindhouse roots. I would definitely call this a, a an homage to those type of grindhouse films from the 70s, you know, with a horror with a horror twist. Um, again, I, I don't know a lot of the supporting cast, but um, one of the girls, uh, Ricky Lindholm from the Garfunkel and Oates uh, group, she's in it. She's fabulous in it, um, and the cinematography absolutely stunning. Uh, great effects, a really, really good twist ending, and the editing. The, the editing was really another standout. It's it's choppy and weird and sort of avant garde. I really, I really felt like they were trying to do something unique and something that you wouldn't see in a mainstream film with the editing. So, big shout out to that one. Even if Jim Cummings is kind of just. I wouldn't say he's phoning it in, but I will definitely be disappointed if he does three cops in a row. Sure. Yeah. I hear you. Um, my four, so I'll be honest, my four, I, I'm surprised is, is on this list. Um, so we've been trying to find movies to watch, uh, with the girls, um, so that we can kind of all enjoy something together. And, and they really like the superhero stuff. So I subjected myself to um, Justice League and Aquaman. And a, holy God, man, I can't. Especially Aquaman. That was a slog. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's it's long as hell, right? It, yes, There's, it there is. Doesn't, it, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any need for that. Re- the, it doesn't seem to be any reason for that movie to be two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but do you know what movie uh, I enjoyed the shit out of? Birds of Prey. Oh, don't do me like this, man. I'm oh, I'm gonna do you like that. Oh, come on. I'm gonna it's, do you like that. Adam, I, you're so you're you're better than this. No, 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 dude, dude. This movie <laughs> is so much fun. This, oh God. <laughs> this was such a fucking blast to watch. I here's the thing. I think all like our our theme, like Margot Robbie, Rosie Perez, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Janae Smollett, and um. Oh, uh, Ella J. Basco, are, like our five women are great. You and McGregor and fucking Chris Messina are just, just fucking going for it, man. They're just oh, fucking come going on. For McGregor it. was phoning that in so hard, I, man. Dude, I enjoyed it so much. I and I, and here's the thing, and you might disagree. The fight choreography is astounding. It yeah, is, I mean it's it's solid. It's so much, uh, dude. The DC movies post like Dark Knight Rises, like I, they just they've been mostly not good. Um, now, I haven't seen Shazam and I've heard pretty good things about that. But this for me is like this is what I wanted Suicide Squad to be in a way. Something fun and like, look, at let's look at all these crazy characters. How the fuck are they going to act together? But it never really got there and it got lost in a crazy plot that doesn't make any fucking sense. This was, I thought it was straightforward. I loved the, the, like, after the first random flashback to, like, days before, like, I was like, fuck it. This is just the story we're going to get. And I, 
dude oh I, the the flashbacks in flashbacks and flashbacks for no discernible reason dude i for me it was one of those things where like after the third one i was like this is just this is just an insane movie and i was fucking i was on board and in it and i loved it oh god well i'll tell you what liz will be very happy to hear that because she was fucking head over heels for that movie Oh, I and, and and if you couldn't tell, I couldn't wait for it to end. Oh man, I I had such <laughs> a fucking blast, man. I had. Now I, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, Margot Robbie, she owns that character. I mean, that's the you could argue that's the character she was born to play. She fucking nails it. I, I mean, she's she's great in it. I but and I it's but it's I don't know, man. I, I I just feel like I had I had such a fun time watching it. And besides, I don't think there's any nudity. So besides some of the swearing, um, because even. It's pretty violent, and we did co- we covered Stella's eyes a couple of times, but Stella enjoyed it too. And I don't care. I, my yes, I yes, my six year old watched it with us. We covered her eyes. She's heard us say worse. Like we're we're fine. I I yeah, I yeah, fucking yeah. had a blast watching this movie. I felt like some of the supporting characters were a little bit hard done by, considering the movie's called Birds of Prey. Let, let's be honest. I mean, you can at least admit that some of the other Birds of Prey were not very well fleshed out. I mean, true. I, I, but it's funny. Didn't they? I don't remember this, but it was, wasn't it because the original title was that crazy, the the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. Yeah. They, yeah. they changed it to Birds of Prey, which I get. I mean, it, I, I, this is a Harley Quinn movie. I mean, it should have just been called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or something. But, but I, I mean, yes. I which think, I think they they tried to do for a minute, yeah. and then because Margot Robbie is a producer on it, I think she like vetoed that immediately. Yeah. But anyways, I I had a fucking blast watching it. That's my four. Ian, what is your three? Uh, My three is going to be probably the most divisive thing on this list. Because I I am still reckoning with this beast of a film. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say I I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I'm going to go out on a limb. It is some kind of masterpiece. And that is the house that Jack built, the Lars von Trier film. Now, I, 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 I've not seen it. I think I've only seen one von Trier film. That's probably Antichrist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is this is what he began with his trilogy of depression, as he called it, the Antichrist, uh, Melancholia, and Nymphomaniac. It, these three films, I think, had been leading up to this just explosion of insanity as we follow Matt Dillon over the course of 12 years and it's shot it's told in a series of vignettes on the he is a serial killer and it tells the story of the killings that shaped him as a serial killer with a fantastic supporting cast that includes Bruno Ganz in one of his last performances Uh, I think actually Hidden Life the Malick film was the last Uh, but Uma Thurman as well um Riley Keough, uh, Jeremy Davis, who I don't think you're a huge fan of. I know I think we've talked shit about him in Saving Private it's, Ryan. It's maybe. tough. Upham, Upham just rings so hard in my head. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Davis is actually, he played Manson in a film called Helter Skelter, and he nailed it in that, man. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. This film, it's haunting. And I will say that I didn't watch the director's cut, which I know is only a couple of minutes longer, and it is definitely more explicit, um, especially in the scenes that involve him killing the mother and the two children. Yeah. Uh, 
And I, and I looked at moviescensorship.com and I looked at all the differences before I chose which version I was going to rent. And, uh, yeah, I think I made the right choice. I think in this case, less was more. So I would definitely recommend the theatrical and not, not just because of any sort of squeamish or, you, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a prude in any way, yeah, shape or form. Yeah. I love Antichrist. I think Antichrist, again, is also a masterpiece. Uh, but yeah, man, this is a bold, daring, it's weird to say that it's a beautiful film, but it is really well shot. I, there's a sort of cold, maligned, and almost Kubrickian sort of reserve in, in the way that he crafts his characters and the way that he shoots his film that, that allows you to step back and to be at one remove and just be shocked and horrified at what you see. I never feel like, I never feel like I'm being... I don't know. Obviously, I'm overwhelmed by his films and how provocative they are, but I, I feel like I'm able to, because of the way that he shoots them, I, I'm able to see them objectively. Sure. I don't, I don't know if that's really making any, any sort of sense. but It's, it's tough, because uh, I only know Von Trier basically through reputation. I mean, yes, I have seen Antichrist, and I know about... You know, I know about Melancholia. I know about Nymphomaniac. And even as, I, you know, and I also, I, I own, so I, I, I have Breaking the Waves. I haven't seen it. I have Dogville. I haven't seen it. But he's, he's a filmmaker I am interested in. Yeah. And you know me. I love, I love the provocateurs, man. Yeah. I love him. I would call Peckinpah provocateur, sure. obviously, in a very different kind of way. Gaspar, no. I'm yeah. falling in love with his films. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love the guys that aren't afraid to go to the places that, you know, mainstream r-rated films will go well speaking of mainstream r-rated films um so i i i well this is not this is not my number three uh but i did watch the trial of the chicago seven on netflix and maybe i'll talk a bit more about that when like the oscars come up because there's a chance that there it could be up for some things um and did you did you feel underwhelmed by it because I was I was definitely underwhelmed. I, I I liked it I liked it more than I didn't like it. It it felt it felt safe. It felt like a safe film. Yeah, it's not it's not a film I'm gonna remember yeah. in six months. I'll put it that way. But a movie that I did like, and I know I texted you about this, um my number three is Molly's game. Um which I dude, it, and it's Yeah, funny. I love it. I, I really, really like this movie, and it's it's such a Sorkin script. And there are so many Sorkin scenes in it. And it's the most, like, it, it, like I am so aware that I'm watching a movie while I'm watching it because of the way it's cut, the narration, um, and the way that everybody is so fucking smart and witty. Like, all of the scenes that are just Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba, and then the one, I, I loved the scene with, with her and Kevin Costner, uh, at the side of the ice skating rink near the end. Oh man, this is this is funny. We are we both love this movie, but we are diametrically opposed about the reasons why we like it. I I do not like that Kevin Costner scene. I, it is such a talking down to not only her as a character but us as an audience. It feels like such a cop out. We've got to wrap things up quickly, kind of moment. No, it, he admits it. It's in the script. He's like, "I need to give you like twenty years of therapy in like five minutes or whatever." Like, it's in there. Yeah, but calling attention to it doesn't excuse how lazy it is. I don't know, man. I, I love. And in fact, I, that almost make, calling attention to it almost makes it worse. I disagree. 
Um, Jessica Chastain. <laughs> not not enough. Not enough Idris Elba. That's my other complaint. Oh god, he's he's great in it too. But like, he's he's my boy. I love Idris. You know how much I love Luther, man. I love that Luther. show. Is my f- that show is my fucking jam. It's good. Um, I don't think Jessica. Oh man, I I want to say this and mean it, and now I got to think about it. But I, I mean, she. Oh shit. Okay, maybe maybe she's better in Zero Dark Thirty. But she is so good in this, man. She's so fucking good in this movie. Yeah, she's. Yeah. It's just, I, I mean, was she was she Oscar nominated no, for this? No, no. The screenplay was. I, it was up for best adapted screenplay, yeah, but yeah. um, no, she she wasn't. That's that's a shame. She she needs. I don't know who she needs to hook up with, what director or what writer, but she she it's it's coming, man. It's got to be coming soon because she's fucking phenomenal. She is. I even even in the movies that I. I don't like that she's in. She's one of these people that you can't say that she's bad in them. Yeah. Even in it chapter two, which is a fucking shit show. It, that's not, she's a good still movie, good yeah. in it. No, it's awful. <laughs> it's nigh unwatchable. And three hours. Are you fucking kidding? That's me? just, and it's just mean. It's just mean to do but, it to us. Yeah. It's un- indulgent. So what, by the time you're done, what you're five and a half hours and I'm sure there's a longer, it's probably all in six hours. That sounds about right. If you do um, those two films back to back, fuck that noise. But but Molly's game, I, I, and it's funny. I actually I do think that that Aaron Sorkin is a screenwriter that needs a director. Um, in the way that I think Charlie Kaufman works better if somebody is directing his work. But Absolutely. needless to say, uh, I I loved Molly's game a lot. It's it's a quick watch and it's it's very fast paced and I think you'll like it. It's on Netflix. Stream it. Watch it. It's good. It's a, it's a great movie. Loved it. And Michael Sarah too. He's yeah. great in it. And then also uh, Jeremy Strong. Yep. I man, I'm loving that guy. Yeah. Succession, man. Oh, I cannot wait. I've I've not. I need I've I need not. season three. I've heard like, it's good. I don't know some kind of heroin. All right, buddy. We're up to twos. Uh, number two will not surprise you in any way, shape, or form. My number two is the Borat subsequent movie film currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to come right out and say it. It's going to be cheesy as all hell. He is not the satirist we deserve, but he is the satirist we need right now. He is, he is honestly the greatest satirist of our time. I'm there. I'm just going to stand behind that. That is a hill I will fucking die on. Well, what a year for him. I mean, he is definitely one of the better parts of the trial of the Chicago seven. And this movie like we i mean just in fucking i mean we knew exactly what i mean from the beginning it's obvious what movie you're going to be in for but oh my god when him and his daughter go to the place to get the fake like the the toy baby out of her stomach it, i mean it was just i i just i was laughing so fucking hard man i i yeah just not afraid to pull punches at all yeah no he's i mean this is this is Sasha Baron Cohen he is, you know, I don't want to sound like that arrogant British prick, but you know, that's, he came from the UK. I remember watching the original Ali G show Yeah, and, uh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember some sort of 11 o'clock news parody that they used to do back in the day, I think on channel four, maybe, uh, we, we knew he was great from the beginning. Like you knew that this guy, he had what it took to come out and be, completely unflinching and to address the issues that a lot of people were afraid to address through his strange sort of twisted prism of these characters, Ali G, Borat, Bruno, 
I don't know, man. It just, it hits on every, and it's, my hope is that it will age better than the first Borat. I don't think so, but hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a revelation uh, the actress that played his daughter was. She, I I am all for her getting an Academy Award nomination for supporting actress. Like, I want that to happen more than I want most things this year. <laughs> don't, totally. She's totally. incredible. And and the, the woman, uh, the, the babysitter, Janice Jones. Yes. Uh, great she's amazing and i'm so happy that they did a kickstarter for her yes. to, to help out her community and sasha baron cohen I, I can't remember the figure but it was 50 grand maybe 100 grand that he donated to her community as well yeah. like people saying coming out and saying that he didn't take care of her well you can fuck right off yeah, yeah. uh oh man it's so good and you know honestly Liz kind of had a hard time with it, and I, I understand why uh, some of that film takes place in our backyard I know. down in Olympia yes. at that rally, and it's it's a harsh reminder that, I mean, we we do live in a slightly more liberal state than most, but uh, you really don't have to go too far out of si- outside Seattle metro area to, to get into some, some communities of wrong-minded people. Yeah. And it, it's it's kind of terrifying. Yeah that 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 wasn't that wasn't great that wasn't great. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, and and I, I, do you have anything else that you want to say about about Borat's subsequent movie film? Uh, no, not necessarily. But I mean, just anybody who's hesitating to see it because of maybe who Sasha Baron Cohen is, or or they they take umbrage with his sense of humor. I mean, try and put that aside and really look at it for the satire that it is. I mean, it is a genuinely great, I would go so far as to say important film for these times. Yeah. Um, That's a, thank you. That's a great segue into my number two, which now to be honest, Borat would have made my list, Uh, um, but I kind of thought you would make, but you knew it was going to make mine. Yeah. But there's another there's another film on Prime. Um, it's exclusive to Prime. Uh, that is really really good. It's great. Um, it's actually a live Broadway recording of Heidi Schreck's one woman show called "What the Constitution Means to Me." Are you aware of this? I'm aware of it. I haven't done it yet. But I'm really excited to. So Heidi Schreck actually is from Washington. I think she's from the Yakima area. And um, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's a playwright. I think mostly. Um, but the, basically the, 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 her one woman show is about how she, when she was a kid, she would do these, um, these speeches and debates and she would win money. She won, basically got herself through college by doing these, these debates and she won them. So it's sort of her reliving these debates and sort of redoing them, but under the context now of having like lived life. Um, it's bitingly funny at times, obviously very cognizant of, of the political time that, that we are in. But also, just kind of heart wrenching. Um, there are some. I mean, there are parts where you'll be laughing out loud, and then other times where you're you're trying to fight back tears because of just how passionate she is about the Constitution and the way that she talks about it, and the way in which it helps people and doesn't help people. Um, there is a, a a male character in the show who sort of is a um, he's a filler for like just sort of like the general men she would do these speeches for, but he he gets a moment to sort of talk a little bit um but ultimately it's it's very fun it's very lively um and i i you know i only i've actually i've at a, a independent theater here in seattle i uh i was in a heidi shrek play called creature which is 
it is really weird. Um, but uh, I, I just enjoyed it so much. And, and Mariel Heller directed it, who was directed like real big films, like a walk, like a walk among the tombstones. And can you ever forgive me in a beautiful day in the neighborhood? And it, it's just, uh, it's just the, the, uh, the Broadway recording of it, but it flows pretty well. And um, it's powerful in a very simplistic way. And I think that's why it works so well is just the simplicity of it. Oh, that's great, man. That's all the more reason for me to watch it. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, real good. That's awesome. Uh, also, she, to, to plug, uh, obviously, the, the Godfather podcasting, Mark Marin. I'm going, as you know, I'm going back through his archives. Um, I believe she was on around 2016. Uh, that's a great interview, uh, if you have the chance to listen to that. I'll if you want to fill out. out a little more knowledge about her. Um yeah, I don't know the exact episode number. I'm pretty sure it was sometime like summer-ish 2016 if you go back through his archives and find that. Nice. So I guess that brings us to my number one. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit, if that's okay with you. It's kind of a two-way tie. Uh, one of them is actually a follow-up to uh, recommend from when uh, we had a guest, MJ Siever was on, talking about uh, Elephant Man. Yes. And uh, recommended the Kurt Russell '90s thriller Breakdown. Yes. Holy shit! What a great movie! Oh my god! I oh man, so much fun. It. I mean, it's it starts out like this tiny little roadside Hitchcock-like thriller, and then just the stakes just keep getting bigger and bigger, and so you have a full-on almost i don't know like spielberg-esque dual chase scene at the end yeah yeah it's it's amazing i loved every second of it and so did like liz i was like talking to her like oh my god that's jt walsh and she was like shut up shut up i'm in this <laughs> <laughs> oh we just had an absolute blast absolutely loved it quick flick and mc too. mc gainley as well yeah what a great supporting cast yep. loved it that's awesome uh so I, I couldn't I couldn't go without without mentioning that and that great recommend on that episode. Um, so the 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 other one in my in my two way tie, uh, not a movie TV show. Now I thought I had seen uh, the best series of the year when I did uh, Watchmen, the the HBO version. What great show! Really loved it. But then a couple of weeks later, Liz and I plowed through something uh, in about a week, which is still I mean it's breathtaking the HBO Perry Mason series oh yeah oh my god this is I mean this when you watch it you'll know this is a me type of show that gritty noir 1930s yeah that time period yeah I'm all about that man you know me in that uh Matthew Reese playing a young Perry Mason who is still a kind of wet behind the ears PI can't seem to really get his shit together uh, he's losing his family farm, and then this huge case gets dropped in his lap. Um, he's working with John Lithgow, and Lithgow's only in it for a few episodes, but he's really good in this. Uh, this case where, and, and this is a show, no holes bars. I mean, there's a dead baby in the first episode, so uh, that's that's not a spoiler, but that is maybe a trigger warning for some people. Sure. Uh, yeah. This this couple that are embroiled in a, a ransom gone wrong, and their child ends up dying, and then it gets into this whole conspiracy with this big mega church, and you know, p- 
police cover-ups, and I mean, it's just everything that you want would want in a 30s set, uh, noirish thriller, and you watch Perry Mason become the, the great attorney that he would be in the, the beloved 50s show, which I, I, I must have at some point on, you know, when I would watch reruns of Mission Impossible and stuff like that on TV land, I must have seen some Perry Mason because that, that theme song and that opening is so etched in my memory. But I got to say, man, Matthew Reese deserves every award which should be coming his way. He absolutely nails this. There wasn't a single moment that rang false. I was so emotionally invested in his character from the very first episode. It's such an incredible piece of television that, you know, the standard that we've all come to expect from HBO, they really go above and beyond with this one. And I'm, I'm elated that there's going to be a second season and hopefully many more. Nice. I mean, yeah, I saw yeah. All, I saw all the promos for it when it was out. I just tough I to... think you're really gonna like it. Okay, I'll definitely have to. And a great supporting cast, including the very great Stephen Root playing an absolute douchebag, which he does so well. He is such a crooked bastard in this. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to add that to the to the queue to the ever growing TV queue that I have. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? It's so hard to keep up and prioritize, but I'm telling you, man, Perry Mason, that's the that's the one. All right, all right. Um, so you actually you actually know my number one, because uh, I I texted you that I I've watched this movie and I I'm fucking I was all in. Um, uh, at some point during the run of our show, I recommended Green Room, and now I am even stronglier <laughs> recommending. Um, uh, Jeremy Solner's Blue Ruin. Oh fuck, man! Great film. Yeah, amazing movie. Remind me again of the the leads. The lead's name. His name is Macon Blair. Oh, he's so good, man. He's and he's in so good. He was in this. Obviously, he's been in the other Solner films. He was in um, Green Room and in Hold the Dark. Um, and I was checking. He was also he has a small role in uh, Thunder Road, actually. That's right. Yeah, he's the uh, he's like a teacher or principal in that. Yeah, yeah. Um. And, like, and he's also, I, I'm blanking on the name of the film, but he's also directed something now as well. Oh. I'm going to have to oh, find. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, he plays, it's so funny because when it starts out and he, he, it, he, he's, he's much, much hairier when he starts out and he, but it, the, the all, the mangly hair actually looks, um, uh, it it, 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 it ages him down. And then when he, he ends up shaving it off and he, he looks older and you realize that he's, it, it's that's that's so not important but basically he plays this guy who's been sort of living on the fringes of society and he finds out that this guy who uh was imprisoned for killing his parents is being let out um and so he sort of takes it upon himself to to seek revenge and then i'll leave it there because i'll just say that things start to go wrong pretty quick and it's sort of basically it's him. It's the character of Dwight trying to deal with not just this guy being released, but then everything that happens after the fact. And this movie is this is just the kind of movie I like, man. I love I love a tense movie that really keeps me like like at e like uneased and and on the edge of my seat. I I was in I mean every. Every fucking second I was into this movie and um I, I, I don't I can't talk about it too much because 
that there are a lot of twists or a lot of things that happen in it. Um, needless to say that if, if you like green room, if you like that kind of like no holds barred thriller, um, I highly recommend this. And also, also what a great title. Yeah. Blue Ruin. Yeah, it really is. It doesn't get and said then, of in course, the movie. Now you have, and then green room as well. So you've got the, the color yeah. scheme going through the hold two the movies dark. there. And he, it, yeah, there you go. That. And uh, so, so Solnier and uh, God, I'm blanking on his name. I'm having a bad name day. The guy that wrote Sicario, Hell or High Water, those two guys, they're, they've emerged as these masters of these very tense, slow burn thrillers that shock you with these moments of extreme violence. Yeah. That, that, that just kind of come out. I, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad you saw Blue Ruin because that's one of those. That was a blink and you miss it. You really got to search for it. You know, yeah. this tiny little indie film that really packs one hell of a punch. And if you dug that, I've got another recommend for you. Uh, one of Jeff Nichols' first films, the guy who directed Midnight Special and Mud, uh, he made a film with Michael Shannon called Shotgun Stories, which shares some similar themes with Blue Ruin. So, okay. I mean, if you dug Blue Ruin, you're really going to like Shotgun Stories. And again, another movie you kind of have to track down. I think it was on Prime for a little while. It might still be. Cool. Well, so yeah, so there you go. I mean, obviously, I've we've seen more, so that that's just a little sampling of 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 what we've seen lately and and things that we recommend. Um, but the reason I think the reason for having this podcast in a real way was that we could not let pass the fact that a a new David Fincher movie was coming out. Six years, first Fincher film in six years, yeah. man, crazy. Um, and so so Mank is out. Um, so I figure we try to give an, a non. Spoiler, mostly just reactive-based chat on on Mank. Um, so we've seen Mank. Uh, what are what are your initial thoughts? Uh, it's uh, I, what I really appreciate about it. It's something very different for Fincher. Yeah, it's it's not like anything else in his filmography. And I, I think you could make a, a fair argument that that most of everything in his filmography is fairly unique. I mean, there are some similar themes. I mean, you, we talked about it in our ranking Fincher episode, you know, when you're watching a Fincher film simply because he, he, he works with a lot of the same crew. Mm -hmm. They've got a very defined look and sound to his movies. And some of that is definitely present here as well. He does have a different cinematographer yes. than he has used on his other films, uh, which I think was probably necessary. He's shooting in black and white. He's shooting in a very specific time and place. Um, beautiful film. Like, haunting cinematography that I think really captures well uh, the era, yep. uh, the feel of these these sort of backdoor deals in, in you know, burgeoning Hollywood um, I really loved some of the political angles, you know, Hollywood dipping its toe really where it shouldn't and trying yep. to influence political decisions. The whole and, Upton Sinclair storyline. Yeah, yeah. which if anybody doesn't know that name, he wrote the book uh, that There Will Be Blood is based on and he's played by Bill Nye, the science guy in the movie. <laughs> you really he's can only, only got see the one for like the, like the 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you see the side in the back of him, but yeah, it's still Bill Nye. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, my, so I, I, all that's true. I, I also, um, I, it's, this doesn't beat the social network for me, but, um, 
the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score is so great in this. I tell you what it gives me hope for is they're also scoring uh, the Pixar movie Soul, and to see them branch out and do something that's that's very different than the scores that they've done before, I really felt like they were stretching their legs and trying something new. Because let's be honest, the scores for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, they are very they are very similar. Yeah. They share a lot of, of, of thematic similarities. Yep. So it was really nice to see them immerse themselves in a different time period, something that was... You know that you know when you're making a movie that's set in the 30s and 40s, you expect to hear, you know, a certain sound, that certain big band swing, jazzy kind of score, and and they do some of that as well. But that you can definitely tell that it's that it's them. You know, they don't get lost in the era trying to to pay lip service to a certain time and place. It it is a genuinely great score. Yeah, and I I think ultimate. So we, obviously, you know, you watched it this morning. I watched it last night. Um, and I and I know I obviously know that this is sort of the telling of Herman Mankiewicz and authorship credit of for, for Citizen Kane. And so I wasn't. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be that sort of dark, twisty David Fincher kind of movie. I mean, it, dark in a way, but not in the way that maybe we've come to expect. Um, so when it when it I think this is still spoiler free. When it wasn't that, I was totally fine with it. But then we got to the end and I was just, I guess I wanted to know why this story and why now? Well, I think I've, again, without being spoilery because it's so new, I did see certain parallels, especially in, in the, in the political realms that they were, they were delving into to today stuff that would I I it felt very relevant to me and I and that's I get yes and that's I I that was all there and I liked the way they did it and it did it wasn't it didn't feel like it was beating me over the head and it obviously plays into you know the, this whole you know true life story of why Mank would have written the way that he did about William Randolph Hearst obviously in the guise of Charles Foster Kane um but I think well, and that's... also Louis Louis B. Mayer as well, skewering him yes. and uh, the character that Amanda Seyfried played, even though he was claimed the entire time that it was not her that yeah. he was going after. Now, I I really did like, uh, and again, it's you know, this is a movie. I I don't. It sounds like I'm going to be denigrating the film. It everybody in the film was doing a great job. Like all, the actors are great. It was made impeccably well. I just wish I don't know. The st- I wanted something else from the story, and I maybe it just was that it didn't, it didn't deal enough with, like I don't know if like it was it, intentional to just tease Orson Welles, like being involved in in this movie, but I I think calling this, oh God, can I, okay maybe maybe bit spoiler go skip ahead like a minute or two here. This really to me is not a movie about the authorship of Citizen Kane. Like that, where when when Orson comes towards the end to look at to talk about the screenplay and and um, and Mank Gary Oldman says I want co-authorship credit on it and there's like a blow up about it. I don't think we've earned that scene. I don't think the movie has yeah. earned that scene. It feels really kind of forced in there. And I wish I wanted this movie to be thirty minutes longer and I wanted it to deal more with the action, like with that storyline. I wanted more of yeah. that. I know I can definitely concede that. Uh, I tell you, and again, we'll we'll remain a little bit spoilery here for a second. But I kind of felt this coming as you get about 
an hour and 40 minutes or so into the movie is that it turns into a revenge film of of sorts there is that shelly character who ends up becoming the linchpin of of what i think the entire film and for mankiewicz's resolve and and his reasons for writing uh this script and for taking on both louis b mayer and and uh and hearst um and that to me is like that i feel like we earned that 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 the big you know the you know without me spoiling it the the hopefully you know the moment i'm talking about with the shelly character yes. like that's we we definitely earned that and it and it blew my mind that they put a sort of somewhat revenge angle on his motivations yeah i i, I, I mean i'm 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 ex- i'm extrapolating to a degree yeah uh, but I will say that I'm already reading that people are enjoying it more on a second watch. So, I mean, like most Fincher movies, I think this is probably not a one and done. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. And, and, and it's it's still very fresh. And I think, again, there's there's expectation, there's expectations versus reality. And now that I've seen it, eventually when I go to rewatch it, knowing that I've seen it before, I think it'll it'll lead me to, like, you know, it'll lead me to a different conclusion, right? I'll yeah, have it in yeah. my head, and um, I had a question for you because I'm, I'm wondering if did you did you rewatch Citizen Kane at all re- re- relatively soon? Had I had I watched this last night, I would have watched Kane this morning. So I I trust me, I came out of I came out of Mank really wanting to watch Citizen Kane because I want to. It feels like this conversation comes up. I, I feel like I see it at least once a year. People going, is Citizen Kane really the greatest film of all time? And I think to ask that question is asinine. Because I think the people that ask this, and again, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm clutching at straws here, or I'm, I'm doing a lot of presuming, but the people that ask that question don't take into account the historical context. Yeah. Citizen Kane was a revolutionary film. It did things that no other film had done before it was trying to change the perception of a person it was really going after somebody who in all honesty if you do some reading about her somebody who needed to be taken down a peg or two yeah i mean it's a gutsy bold incredible piece of filmmaking and they even mentioned in the film like kane uh sorry uh wells had final cut now, this is a man never made a film before. All he was known for at the time was his, his radio and, and theater work. Yep. It's incredible. This is, it is a genuinely great piece of history. Yeah, yeah. Um, I only mentioned, so so Thursday night we watched Citizen Kane, and then last night we watched Mank. Um, I think had I, I mean, in, an, in another world, if you haven't seen either of them, I, I actually would recommend watching Mank first. And then Citizen Absolutely. Kane. Um, my, my hope is that it's going to to skew the conversation back around to not to is Citizen Kane one of the greatest movies of all time, but reaffirming it and yeah, making sure. people go back and, and watch it with different eyes yeah. and discovering. Yeah, Citizen Kane is one of the greatest films of all time. Again, like I said earlier on the show, you're allowed your opinion, but you're also just allowed to be wrong. <laughs> Very true. Um so yeah, I, I you know the movie's so fresh, and we're not doing a full episode on it, obviously. But I, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's not as high as the other films for me, but it is it's new and it's different, and I need it to to percolate, and I probably need to watch it again before I can more adequately 
Um, Absolutely. Right right now for me, I don't know about you, 11 features. This is probably somewhere around seven. Yeah, I, I have it at eight. I have it about eight. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in the ballpark there. And I don't. Yeah, it it's would tough. knock. It's, it would knock Gone Girl down to eight, and then this would go in at seven for me. Yeah, this this I mean, because everything above, like Panic Room, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Alien Three are just movies that I don't overly enjoy very much. And even though Fight Club was extremely low for for your liking, I I still right now I definitely prefer Fight Club to this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And great to see him while you're talking Alien Three. Great to see him reunite with Charles Dance. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, see that was. For me, there was just enough of of Charles Dance and Tom Burke, who does an amazing Wells, by the way. Because this isn't Wells' story, and I know people are probably going to want more of him, but at the end of the day, it's not his story, it's Mank's story. Yeah. And so I feel like Wells was used very sparingly, and, and in all the places that he needed to be used. I mean, the cast, like you said, does incredible work. I really want to see Amanda Seyfried get nominated for this. Maybe not win, but... She, she was is great. a fucking to anybody who isn't a fan of hers. I mean, this is she is a revelation in this. She's great. I I I think she's she's going the route now of trying to pick better directors and writers to work with because I thought she was also really good in um First Reformed. Yeah, she's great in that. Amazing in that. Yeah, and and the Lo- Linda Lovelace biopic. Oh, I haven't. You you've mentioned that before. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Seen I have. That. She's incredible. Absolutely incredible in that. Yeah, the cast is. I mean, it's not Gary Oldman's best performance, but in a career like his, yeah, I mean, you're spoiled for choice. Sure. As far as his great yeah. performances, um, all the guys, the guys that played Selznick and and Mayer, I think they inhabit those characters really well. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. Great choice to use. Uh, slightly lesser known character actors, TV actors in that role. So you don't get caught up in, Oh, that's such and such playing such and such. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And amazing script. I mean, we can't, can't leave out the fact this was written by uh, Fincher's late father, Jack, who was a huge film fan. And what a, what a fun, punchy, witty. I mean, I honestly think this is, is the most, I think this is his most fun script. Yes. That he's directed since Fight Club. The dialogue in it is fantastically good. Yeah. And compassionate too. I mean I think Yeah. There's a there's a Absolutely. sense of even though it's funny, it's weird because it is it does take a revenge-esque view towards the end. It, even that's coming from a place of like uh, like a place of heart in in a way. Like it's not it, it there's 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 a uh there's a place of, of, of wanting to do the right thing that that sense of revenge is coming from. Right. But it's, it's Mank who's doing it. And he already has a reputation as somebody who, who you wouldn't suspect to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think those, I mean, unless you got anything else, I, I it's kind of our no. sort of limited thoughts on, on Mank, but just see it as soon as possible. Oh, totally. But I know you've got something else. I know you've got something to take, I do to take have... us out on. I got I got a little something to wrap the show up on. So as you know, I mean, we just gave you uh, ten films that we recommend, or in well, I guess ten films in a TV series. Yeah. That we've been watching while we're on hiatus. Uh, but on this show, we we do love lists. Adam, do you love lists? I love lists. I I do too. I love lists. Oh man, I love land. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, a couple of days ago, this is very fresh. I mean, it'll be a little older by the time we release the episode, but on the 1st of December, Collider, pretty good website. Yep. Usually some good articles, good reviews on there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, a guy who writes for them named Jeff Snyder. Uh, so, he puts together. He puts. Sorry. I follow. He 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 does the movie trivia showdown. I, I I see him a lot on what I watch. Oh, you do. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, maybe this list won't be as divisive for you as it was for me. Let's see. Uh, he put together a list of the ten best performances in David Fincher movies. Oh, okay, this and okay. It, and he kind. And he kind of cheated. There's actually 12 names on here because there are two ties, which I think are cop-outs, yeah. if I'm honest. If I could call out Mr. Jeff Snyder, I think you copped out, sir. <laughs> uh, so I'll start with number 10. That is the first of the uh, two-way ties. Uh, he's got Dwight Yoakam in Panic Room, tied with John Carroll Lynch in Zodiac. You know, it's tough because I th- actually think Dwight Yoakam is a really interesting, like, villain in Panic Room. I think he's one of the better better parts of Panic Room. Um, I don't know that he would make my list. And it sucks. Uh, John Carroll Lynch is so good. He's just so good. But he, he definitely is. Is he in it enough? That would be my... That would be my... That's... Yeah. And obviously, that's, you that was my you hesitation have to be in too. a movie a lot to make, a, to make an impact. I, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, but he is such a he's such a lasting presence in the few scenes that he has, especially the last one. Yeah. Um, number nine is Andrew Garfield in the Social Network. I think I I think it's the best Andrew Garfield performance we've gotten. Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I watched I, I think Under the been... Silver Lake. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it. Oh, really? I was looking forward to Please that. Please don't. One. It, it's I, it is. I, it's weird, but it's too long, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Ah, uh, that's a shame. I really do like Andrew Garfield. I wish he was making some better choices. Uh, number eight is the second of the two-way ties, okay. and this is the big. This is the bigger cop out for me than the first one. Is uh, Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl tied with Rooney Mara in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? No, that yeah, that's horseshit. That's horseshit. Yeah. That's yeah. Don't do that. They're un- both they're two very different performances. And just place them both. I I mean I get what he's trying to do, but it's horseshit. Yes, it definitely yeah. is. But uh, but they're both no, great. Both great performances. They are incredible, uh, revelatory. I think in those performances. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Helena Bonham Carter in Fight Club. See, I think I think you could take her off easily to make room for for Rosamund Pike and. And uh, to have to have her own, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see that. Uh, number six, Edward Norton in Fight Club. Hmm, that's tough, man. Edward Norton is so careful with his choices, and so many great performances to choose from. I can't, without knowing the rest of the list, like I'm not going to be upset about it. I I'm fine with it for now. Yeah, I think well, I. We'll, I we'll mean, see. again, personally, I think if he's going to be on the list, put I mean, he needs to be he needs to be lower on the list. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. We've got number five next. This is this is a divisive choice for me, and not just because of who it is, but again because of the issue you brought up. Screen time is Kevin Spacey in seven. Uh, I'm not. I'm not against it. I, I mean, it. It's it's and again, it's tough to know. How much of it is, how much of it is Kevin Spacey's performance, which I think is really good, versus just the like the way that, how much how much credit goes to Andrew Kevin Walker versus how much credit goes to Kevin Spacey? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, um, absolutely. But I'm, I'm not against it. 
Uh, number four is Brad Pitts in Fight Club. I, I, I this, I, I'm, I mean, I, I, I get, I know this is a list of preference from some, from somebody, but I, I, you can't have all three performances from Fight Club on this list. That's, that's very true. Uh, number three, Morgan Freeman in seven. Oh, wow. Um, that we're in top three territory right now. Bear that in mind. I know, I know. Uh, and nothing against Morgan Freeman in seven. I mean, he's, he's good. No, he, he is good, but I, oh, fuck that's He's, so he's not great. He's not great. I know. I know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, man. Huh. Number t- number two is Brad Pitt in seven. So Brad Pitt's on the list twice. This okay, all right. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck, man? Um, you can't have Brad Pitt on the list twice. No, you got to pick one. You got to pick Fight Club or Seven. Uh, uh wow. Um, this this is this is not a good list at all. This you're is, go- this you're is really you're really gonna list. be irritated at number one. Uh, number one is Jesse Eisenberg in The Social Network. See, and I. I, Jesse Eisenberg might actually make my list, but it would be like around ten or nine. Like, see, and, he's he's in. I'll spoil it for you right now. Uh, I do feel bad because I didn't I didn't run this list by you. I didn't give you the opportunity for rebuttal other than just your gut instinct reactions. I did, however, have the time uh, to make a rebuttal list. Okay. So I do have my own, and Jesse Eisenberg is in my honorable mentions. I actually ended up making a top fifteen. Uh, so really quick, my honorable mentions are this one you'll hate, but I do love this character and I love the performances. Charles Dance and Alien 3. Eh. I have Stellan Skarsgård in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Because he, he is frightening. He is. Yep. Uh, I have Mark Ruffalo in Zodiac. I, do you have anybody else from Zodiac? Uh, I also I also have John Carroll Lynch in my honorable mentions. Oh, see, I think I think I think leaving Jake Gyllenhaal off of the list is is kind of criminal. I think he's really that, great in that. that we'll get. Oh, there. that's Don't okay. Worry. That's what I okay. And Jesse Eisenberg also makes my honorable mentions okay. just because I don't think I don't think he's done anything better. If I'm honest. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. All right. So officially, officially, my top ten. David Fincher performances. Number 10 is Jake Gyllenhaal in Zodiac. Okay, cool. I'm on board. Now, I'm, I'm also taking into account other performances they've done, not just in uh, Fincher movies. And I started off, I think, with a bigger list because uh, Snyder does mention at the beginning that he started off with quite a long list. And I think I started off with more names than him. I started off with about 36. And I really had to do some paring down. Yeah. So anyway, number 10, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, because, uh, honestly, it would be my favorite of his performances had he not made Nightcrawler. That's fair. Yeah, I go, I go Nightcrawler, Zodiac, and then Prisoners as like my top three Gyllenhaal. That's a, that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number nine. This one, and I, I do have to mention, I shared this list with Liz, and I think I texted you about it. We really got into it last night, like <laughs> knockdown, drag out fight about this list. Uh, number right. nine really pissed her off a lot. But I stand by it. It's a hill I'll die on. Justin Timberlake in The Social Network. It's a good performance. Yeah, I he, I think he was revelatory in it. I don't think anybody expected him to do what he did in that film. He steals every goddamn scene he's in. Yeah. 
number eight, this is one that uh, Snyder mentioned he had a hard time leaving off and I just couldn't. Is Michael Douglas in the game. Oh, man. I get, again, it's a, that's, a, that's a role about reacting to everything. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's great in it. Honestly, I think I might have to remake the list and he should be higher. I love Actually, you know what? I'm gonna right now. I'm gonna reverse this. I'm gonna say he's number seven because number eight is Helena Bonham Carter in Fight Club. See, and I don't think she'd make my list if I'm being honest. Oh man, I I love her in this. It's it's the best thing she's ever done. Oh man, I don't know enough of her career to to I I can't say that, but I I get it. I get where you're coming from. She's shocking in it, Shock, and shockingly good. Uh. Number six, uh, Snyder and I actually agree on uh, Edward Norton in Fight Club. Okay, all right. Uh, number five, Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. Okay, I do give her her own spot. Thank you. She fucking deserves it. <laughs> number four is one that I, again, another hill that I'll die on, and some people might call it a two-way tie, but it's Army Hammer and Josh Pence in the social network, and I want to make sure to call out Josh Pence because he did just as much work as Army Hammer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that would make mine. No? Oh, I love them in that. I really do. Uh, number three is Rooney Mara in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yep. That What a hell of a performance. Yeah. And this, this is the one that Liz really dug her, dug her heels in on. She thinks that my two and three should be reversed. Okay. Uh, number two is Andrew Garfield in Social Network. I adore him in that film. It's the best work he's ever done. The fact that he didn't get an Academy Award nomination is a fucking shambles. It really, it, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty fucked up. That's, I, he gets I mean, to go through... The spectrum of emotions that he goes through in that film, the scene where he talks about him being his one friend, that kills me. I was going to say, that's, that's, uh, coming from an acting standpoint, Rooney Mara is great. She nails the accent. She nails the character. But it all fits within a pretty thin line of, of, of her character. It doesn't have a whole lot of arcs. And I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, uh, and I'm with you 100%. That's, I, I, I'm happy you agree with me on that one. Uh, my number one, I don't think will surprise you, and I, th- I think you, I think you may agree with this one. I'd be surprised if you didn't. I hope you will. Brad Pitt in Seven. I, I, I don't know if he'd be my number one, but he's, I mean, he's really good in it. I mean, he's really good in it. I have a hard time. He, there's no way he's not making your list. My ten. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he would make my ten. Yeah. I mean, because think about where Brad Pitt was in his career at the time. I mean, this they got him right as he peaks yeah like you know legends of the fall 12 monkeys you know that's in fact i think they had to cut his schedule short so he could do 12 monkeys if i remember right i i know they were released they were released in the same year but i'm not i'm not sure yeah 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 like he man what he has to do in that film and honestly if i had a hard time leaving gwyneth paltrow off my list i know we've talked about it we've talked about we talked about that a lot during our seven episode yeah yeah so there you go. That's that's my response to uh, Jeff Snyder. Hopefully, uh, you'll find some time to make a list of your own. Maybe we can do a quick little pop in in an episode or two coming up where you have a rebuttal. I'd love to hear your ten favorite Fincher performances, seeing as though we're on such a Fincher kick. I know, I know. I, I yeah, yeah. Because you know who might make my list uh, is is Amanda Seyfried. Uh, yeah, Cause I think she's, definitely. She's she's really good in make. Oh, she's um, lovely, absolutely lovely in that film. So that there you go. That was our our our, our catch up, 
kind of bonus episode. We talked about changes to Patreon. We talked about changes to the book. We talked about the best things we've seen since our break. And we had a Mank slash Fincher slash listathon right here at the end um so so thank you for for tuning in and 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 giving us a, a listen you can find us as always on spotify and google and apple and, and stitcher and all the great places where you can find podcasts uh, as we talked about at the beginning you can support the show at patreon.com slash a thousand and one by one if you want to email us with a suggestion or a note or a whatever uh, that you can find us at a thousand and one by one at gmail.com and um uh, please stay tuned for uh, our Christmas-themed episode, to which I am looking forward to. Ian, I would say probably not as much as me. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough one, and I'm I'm going to have to unfortunately be the humbug. That's okay. That's quite all right. So we have our Christmas episode coming soon, and then uh, another like another very small break before we kick off uh, season three. True and proper in 2021, and our first two episodes are going to be big. They're going to be big episodes. So just, oh yeah, lot just, of animation talk coming your way, folks. Yes, just so just be ready. Uh, but until next time, I am Adam, and I am Ian. Stay safe, happy holidays, and thanks for tuning in. <laughs>